You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Today's word of the day is animus. A-N-I-M-U-S. Is that and, when you miss an episode of anime? No. Um, that would... That's uh, pretty good. I like that. Um, no. Animus is a strong dislike or hostile attitude. So, animus. Animus. And it works well with what we're going to be talking about today because I have an animus uh, with the way that the NFL draft or NFL combine is currently constructed. So, animus, word of the day. We'll try and work it into our analysis, even though I technically did it right there, you know, but it's it's whatever. Um, Mateo, how you been? I'm, I'm tired, actually. Yeah? I actually stayed out to 12 last night. Wow. And my beer snob came out, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. because I was driving. I only had one beer, and it was Modelo. I was hoping to get to another bar and, and get a craft beer. <laughs> What's that's wrong with the Modelo, man? I love. I actually love it. Okay. I but I, I, you know, you save that one, keep one in the chamber, and you, you're hoping for something that's really good, <laughs> and then you don't get it, and you're like, "Wow, I'm really a snob that uh, I'm complaining about this." My weekend was somewhat eventful. I, uh, I, I feel like I can officially say that maybe not for the general public, but for certain niche people in the sporting world, I'm your favorite tweet. I'm your favorite sports, or I'm, I'm your favorite sports analyst favorite tweeter. How about that? Oh, yeah, because you got some love. That makes sense, right? I, yeah. First, Mike Ryan liked the tweet. Then Amin retweeted me with the comment, Amin Al-Hassan. Or Man, you al Hassan. I don't know why. I always try to over-pronounce his, I'm sure or there pronounce his name. You're, you're tweeting 40 times to people. Yep. No, no, just <laughs> once, just once. Uh, Brian Murphy from Murphy Mac at KMBR, and then recently Big Cat from Barstool. So all I've either liked, retweeted, or engaged What was your favorite online. one? What was your just favorite engagement? Famous. Uh, probably uh, Amin, because Amin straight up just, like, you know, he retweeted with the comment, but like I enjoy his basketball analysis, and I think he's very entertaining on whatever platform he's on. And he just happened to be on the Levitard show, and his laugh is just hilarious. I want to see. I've I've played it on the show before, but um, is it just something? I love about, when they do the Ninja Warrior. Something about with him. Oh yeah. God, they clown him all the they time. They pick on him for it. Here you go. This is a means laugh. <laughs> What's cool is to see a guy that that worked in the front office be able to transition to radio. He really does it so seamlessly. Yeah, he fits in so well. Yeah, so. Like I, I really like Van Gundy when he's on Levitard, but sometimes it's a little clunky and bumpy, and he's still trying to figure out the way the flow goes. I mean, just he he just yeah. integrates right in. Uh, I would say the Big Cat was the most recent one where I was just blatantly just like out, I like looking searching. For, I was hoping I saw that. I was like, hoping you get a reply. Right. Where then Barstool like, Nation shows up because I wanted to see him. I wanted to see him uh, play basketball because he got winded during his airport. Review or review, but yeah, Mike Ryan. I, I forget what he did. He just liked a tweet where I, I had stated something, and then the other one, Brian Murphy, he actually engaged because uh, yeah, he said something, and I re referenced it with a Simpsons reference, and or I, I replied with a Simpsons reference, and he liked that. But yeah, so my life, my life was super eventful. I got a lot of affirmation on the World Wide Web this weekend. Did you see the the police chase that was happening on Saturday night? Or fri Friday night or Saturday night, one of the two. Where was it at? It was in L.A. No, was it the I one? Think that it was Friday night actually. Was Rob Perez? Re was he that the yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't watch it. Worldwide Wob. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was crazy. It was like captivated a bunch of people. I actually think it was like uh, no, yeah. It, it had to be for Friday night because I, I was watching it yesterday. So, but yeah, it was interesting. The guy like just it was a good solid hour long chase that he just streamed and I just fast forwarded towards the end, watched the last fifteen minutes because it was pretty crazy. I love how on brandy is. It's it's. 
so much with basketball and so much with all the stuff that we obsessed with, and then police chases in there. Well, police chases, yeah. I, I've been I've been hooked a couple of times when he's posted <laughs> one or two, especially when it's in the middle of like this, like Oklahoma or Indiana or yeah. small town. Well, this one was in L.A. and he was navvying pretty well, avoiding the police, and then finally, uh, finally gave up once they threw down the spikes. How long did it go on for? On the dogs, I say about an hour and a half. Really? Yeah. Jeez, that was just the news broadcast too. All right, enough of that BS. Let's get on with the show. You ready? Yep. Let's get it on. I wait for ya, California. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Things to do before I die. Oh yeah. I wait for ya. Rest in peace. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Things to do before I die. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't wanna rest. Shorty wanna kids. Tell her early on. I just wanna hit. Snap me like a pig, one way I'm a model, catalog of sits, see me rolling Tupac, I'ma get it on my own, I had to move away to get me closer to the ocean, seashell, I could get it myself, at the house since the young and I've been paying my bills, for the longest I don't need you, all you niggas sit through, round up motherfuckers I can wait through, too much money to be making it wide, work for myself like all you niggas aren't it. Look you probably can Google me, eh Dr. Guap, what did you do to me, eh Wake up like, what do you doing today? I'ma get first to economy, eh I'ma go back to hiatus If these juice won't play this Might die, might die, R.I.P. to my pain oh, yeah. Welcome to the Cohort Sports Report. Gas bags with fun facts. The show by regular Joes for regular Joes. Sponsorship free because nobody wants to pay the sponsorship fee. My name is Jeff Woodworth and I am joined in the garage tonight by Matteo Poverari. Garage is nice. Okay. I, I like, I like that, the climate. Is it nice and homely right now? Yeah, it is. Okay. That's good. That's good. It's a nice, comfortable temperature We're coming us, out of winter for us to get into hot takes and hot debates uh good show for you today we're gonna be uh well we'll just jump into it i'm not even gonna preview it you just have to take my word for it mateo the nfl combine started this weekend woohoo and i for one how many hours did you watch think maybe uh if you add in if you add in if you take into account the clips i saw on twitter mm-hmm. uh tv and any other mediums that i could have taken in the draft about i mean the combine about maybe Five minutes. Oh, it's disappointing. It's it's disappointing, so disappointing. Disappointing to you. Uh, we had the exchange back and forth on Twitter. I think it's stupid. And um, can I just can I play a sound by Mark Schlereth? I was it it worked out so perfect because we were getting in the argument. And then oh, I was listen- chili man needs. I was, yeah. I was I was listening to the herd on Friday and Doug Gottlieb was was uh, filling in for. I you know something about those radio shows when you listen to a certain guy and then you have fill-ins, you're just like oh man it's disappointing but I'll still listen because I'm a fan of the show. Uh, so Gottlieb had Mark Schlereth on, and Schlereth was talking about the combine. So this is a little minute sound here. So just just bear with me. I think the, I think the combine's a joke. Okay, first off, it's it's a test of athletic ability. It has nothing to do with your football ability. I always say this: football is easy for football players. It's really hard for athletes. And all you're figuring out here is who's the athletes. 
So it goes back to the film. It goes back to the intangible stuff, how much you're willing to prepare, how much you're willing to work, what you're able to, um, you know, to understand and how quickly you can make decisions. So all those things are, are more important. I think it's medical is the most important thing you're going to do here. Two is personality. Let me talk to you. Right. All the 40s and all that garbage is exactly what it is. If we lined up and, and ran 40s and the team that ran the fastest 40s got to win the, the – you know, look at the, the, the fastest 40s in football. Like the fastest 40s ever re- recorded the combine. You know, John Ross, how's he done? What, he got 22 catches over the last few years? They want to trade him in Cincinnati. Right, I mean, so and, – and there's a bunch of other ones that fall in. Okay, so that obviously it cuts off there. But mm. um, I think he pre- presents some valid points. It was kind of my thoughts exactly, right? Like – I, I get that we're testing some athletics here. You want to find out if a guy's got a nagging injury or if there's something wrong. Like, you know, they would tear me apart at the combine because I had a stress fracture in my mm-hmm. ankle, and now they'd, you know, that would that would come into account there if I was even, like, a quarterback or a kicker. They'd just say something stupid, you know. How is mm-hmm. that going to affect you? Uh, lest we forget the type of questioning that they faced, you know, um, remember the time Des Bryant was asked if his mother was a prostitute. Was that they, at the combine, though? Yes. I thought I thought that was at Miami, though. I thought they flew him out, and he was interviewed during a team interview. We might have to look that up. But okay. I'm, I'm yes, pretty, might, might take some which, further research. Which which doesn't it doesn't because the, today I saw a story that Seattle had a staring contest with one of the prospects. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah I, is is insane. Anyway, yeah. keep going. No, no, I'm uh, this, I, I'm gonna just react to Mark Slaris' comments okay. there because I look at it. It's very trivial. I mean, uh, I'll get into my points after you're done. But I could care less how much a guy could bench press. I could care less how fast he runs because I don't think that those are necessary football moves. But go ahead. Well, I'll I'll start it with I'm a football junkie. I love this stuff. Anything that Inject makes me it into your yeah, veins. Inge- shoot it into my ba- veins. It's everything that like PFT commentator jokes about. I <laughs> I love football. Yeah. And for me to get in February, a week before free agency, and we've we've talked about this on past shows of how baseball free agency is so slow. So to have a buildup of where there's news, there's signings, there's releases, there's but there's moves that could happen. I I love all that. Um, and then. I, I don't disagree with the 40 time. I, I think that's something that we do take um, way too much into account, and it's become something a casual fan uses a little too much. Um, but the one thing that he goes back to is, is you know, he talks about, well, I want to see how somebody prepares, and I want to see the mental side of this. How is that not reflected in the combine, though? This is a job interview. This is something that you need to show up to in shape. Not every guy is in shape. Um, go look up what happened with Polite today. He was uh, talking about how teams were bashing him. He came in overweight. And that Quentin Nelson last year, too? Didn't he face some scrutiny with it? Uh, it was more so that he was a guard. And oh, okay. A lot of people don't like guards at a, as a top 10 pick. <laughs> okay. uh, one team did ask him. They said, uh, we won't draft you if you don't run the 40. And he was like, oh, I'll make you regret it. Mm. And, uh, you know. I have heard that guard is the most unathletic position on the offensive line. I mean, you've only got three positions there, but I, they're I on the bottom of the totem pole. We, I, we should uh, send Jeff Schwartz a tw- uh, Twitter message, see if we can get guard Twitter to come after you. Well, they don't like that? I don't, I'm sure they don't. Oh, well, it's tackle, the one that's got to move, you know. Yeah, they're dealing with the yeah, edge rushers. Yeah, they're pulling a lot more. Uh, I mean, know, it is, it's a really athletic position. The center's got to be quick, too, because yeah. more more times than not, they're, they're scooting over to help the guard, and then the guard has just got to be strong and sturdy and not get bulldozed by the, uh, by the, tack- mm-hmm. the D-tackle that's coming in. But I look at my big gripe with the with uh, with the combine, and I had I had a video that I liked on Twitter. I, I could send it to you for you to see. It's what they were doing at um, Eastern Michigan. Not that that's a football powerhouse, but um, they. My biggest gripe is do this shit in pads, right? Do all of this with the necessary game gear on. I don't care that you can bench press forty times. 
I want to know what's your um how fast is your reaction time when the ball is snapped and how much force can you generate against a guard if you're a D tackle or if you're a guard, how much can you can you push back on on the uh, on the tackle on the D tackle? It's the quarterback throwing. You can throw uh, 80 yards without pads on. How far can you throw with pads on? Uh, what about with pressure in your face? I just I don't. And what's the what's the purpose of of having pressure though? I mean, you you were talking about game film. You have the game film. This is this is just to see how athletic they are. Well, the game this is a separate event for seeing how athletic it is. The game film, I think, is necessary to invite them there. So I'm not. I just want to reiterate this. I'm not mm-hmm. totally against the combine. Mm-hmm. I think there's some value in there. I want to see all the behind the scenes stuff. I want to see, and it's very boring, but I want to see the guys break down film. I want to know about the medicals. And I agree with you there. And I think what's what's sad the is the Wonderlic like, score. Did you see Carson Wentz's video that came out from the Eagles when they interviewed him at the combine? I did not. It was really good. I mean, he broke down film and it showed his his progress and mm-hmm. progressions. But it took two years for this to come out. It's the team's fault. They do not want this. I mean, you you hear about the Niners not wanting to be on hard knocks. How about no? I mean, no team wanting to be on hard knocks. Teams will not release this. They're very. It's just. It's too much of a secret league. I just look at it like. So you're gonna run like like Schler said. So you're gonna run the forty yards, and no game has ever been run in the forty. If you're a running back and you can run a four four forty, that's awesome. That's great. But I still want to know how fast can you hit that hole that the guard and tackler are gonna create, and then can you cut two to three yards over to the left or to the right on the snap of the fingers? Not, I mean, we you, you use punter as an example. I I don't oh, disagree. That was like stupid. Like there's yeah. there's positions I I don't disagree that you you know forty times, but like receiver, you're gonna have to run forty yards. It shows it shows what your burst. I mean, you go back. To off the line it shows you how quickly you can get within those 10 yards that's okay. what matters um it shows especially what's the difference between a guy that's 225 and a guy that's 215 that's a big difference i mean we saw guys today that were 260 oh, we, you saw dk metcalf just destroy it though and that's Jesus. a wide receiver who put on about 20 yards or 20 pounds of just straight muscle god he's one percent body fat somebody 1. said six somebody yeah. said is he dead <laughs> like how do you get to that but that's i mean it. i mean that that's the part that i think is interesting is you see guys like uh sweat uh yeah sweat today who ran and he ran a what was it four four eight and you know the big broad number I, I you know it's 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 cool in terms of branding but when you see it compared to a guy like he's faster than Odell Beckham he's faster than I mean is is he certain, real, is he true is he true faster maybe not but it's at at that. Um, controlled environment that's incredible certain tests have to be position specific right like Mm -hmm. i don't care if the punter can bench you know uh, how many times i don't care if the wide receiver can bench i care about the offense lineman and the defensive lineman because those are guys that are going to be using that type of movement a lot i could see how the 40 would be valuable for a wide receiver i still want him to do it in pads because i'm under this assertion and assumption and if i'm wrong then i'm wrong but having pads on makes a difference right i am from what i remember from my very very short stint of playing um football in high school is that you know i went from being able to have you know being able to pinch my shoulders up against my ears to all of a sudden having my shoulders only go up to you know or i mean i'd have to bring my hands in so but, there's restricted movement but then there, the, right? the question is you're fitting 300 guys and every guy uses something different where are you going to get the gear from what if guys want to use lighter pads somebody that's wants true to, that's true i mean you run into those things and these guys are in great shape yeah and, and a lot of times when they're throwing at their pro day sometimes they do I remember a couple of the quarterbacks will will go fully padded just That's to kind of prove I that too. That's what I want to see. Yeah, but I don't. I, I mean, at the combine and practice how you play. I don't think it matters. They're in great shape. It doesn't matter. It's not going to slow the, you down that much. The broad much. jump, broad jump is. And stupid. if nobody's hitting you, no, the broad jump's not. It's something that is used for explosion. It's it's one of the metrics that is shown. I don't like it. We're not doing track and field events. It out shows here. how explosive. You go back to you want to see somebody how they get off. That's how they get off on there. I'll show you how I get yeah. off. Um. So I I um. 
I like the vertical jump. I think that's necessary for a wide receiver because how high can you jump? I mean, obviously, you're going to be running while you do it. But they've but shown there are stats that are comp composite of this, and the broad jump for tight ends, there shows there is a link and correlation towards explosion. And I've used George Kittle a lot of times because he's a guy that fell to the fifth round that graded out just as good in terms of athletic ability as O.J. Howard and you said, you said with Kittle, he wasn't utilized in his college system. Exactly. Now, what part of that, and obviously we can't hold it against guys completely, but what part of that is, is his fault for choosing Iowa if he wasn't offered? How do you know, you know, exactly. How do you know ex what their background is? Some guys fall through the cracks. Steph Curry's that example, but this is what the combine's for, to, well, show, I, the, to show that these guys might be misutilized. You Steph go back. Curry shot 45% from the three-point line. And, I mean, but how many, how many offers did he get out of college, into college, just like George Kittle, oh, though? He got none, but right? I'm saying you could take a look at Steph at Davidson and see that he shot 45% from the three-point line, see how many shots he's putting up, and be like, all right, there's something here. There's you, something here with this guy. You could, but everybody tried to pigeon his size, how small he is, yeah, though. Yeah. I mean, those still fell into oh, it. Oh, you're bringing that but, back but, to but, size. But Kittle had, he at Iowa, he had some big touchdowns, too. Yeah. He was the only offensive threat. So good for, so then obviously that would stand out on tape if you're looking at Iowa tape. Yeah, but yeah. that's, but going back, this is what the whole thing of the combine is, is, and this is what a lot of the GM said because the way it works is there, a lot of them are doing free agency. A lot of the senior class doesn't declare till about late January, so they don't have a chance to really get the tape. They see these guys perform, and then they go back and watch the tape. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. The combine isn't the end-all, be-all. But we, uh, the other thing I want to use with the combine, too, is you, you use the All-Star game, how you want it to come up with, with things to brand players, like pickle events, base stealing. Isn't this a great time? Like, 40 times are always used. It's well, a, even you're, doing, we it, you're even doing it with guys that might not get drafted. So, but, you know. but I mean, but even John Ross, uh, a guy that he used, he's known for his 40 time, though, even Which, though he's a bust. That's it. He had 20. It, I but think he's had 22 but catches. in terms, it goes back to in terms of branding. We know who John Ross is because of his 40 time. If you watch football, you know who John but, Ross is. But this event only drew 300,000. It's on NFL Network. It's for NFL fans, too. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's it's that's a made, a, it's a made for TV event. That's yeah. True. And yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. It's totally. And, and I think. And I agree with you. There's there's a lot of things they can do to make it better. There would be so many I, things. I mean, I, I throw it on in the background and I wait till somebody tweets out results. I'm yeah. not going to sit. There's only a couple of specific players I want to watch. Honestly, the most event, the, the, the one thing I look forward to every combine every year is Rich Eisen running his 40 in the yeah, suit because it, it, it goes to a good cause. Yeah, it's, it's a great cause. They run it on today, on Sunday, and then they air it on TV tomorrow on Monday. And uh, it's just fun to watch. He, I guess he had a trainer this year, so. Yeah, he was trying to crack. I think it was at, it couldn't be five. four. Was it five? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, because uh, Deion Sanders ran it backwards halfway. It ran 20 yards backwards <laughs> and was stride for stride with him. And then when he turned around and, and left him in the dust, so Rich wanted to get better. Um, also, wanted to touch on this. Kyler Murray getting measured. All of a sudden, he comes in at 5'10". I love the comp that we're trying to throw with this kid about with Russell Wilson. It's like he's built actually more like Johnny Manziel, but he plays like Russell Wilson, which is so interesting. And I think that comes down to scheme. So whatever team drafts him is going to have to scheme him up. You're not going to be a guy that – he's not going to be a line-him-up-under-center guy. He's going to run – But how many guys play out of center, though? Under center? There's not many. We're playing. It's a shotgun-heavy league. Uh, Jared Goff, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. Can I keep going? All out of shotgun. They're, they're shotgun-heavy systems. That's shotgun-heavy? I thought for sure it was single back in L.A. No, everybody's playing out of shotgun. Sean uses a lot of shotgun. Okay. It's become more of more. It depends on how your personnel packages work. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't understand why. Um, I heard Clay Travis say this on FS1, oh and I don't, I don't necessarily agree with him on anything, but he did provide a valid point. Why are we measuring to the top of their head? Why not we measure to their eyes, especially I, for a quarterback? I don't even want to. I'm just saying, God, that is it, stupid. Was, it was a trolley, com it was a trolley uh, polioli comment that kind of made sense. I don't even care. 
The, 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 I'm going to skip over that. What matters of him hitting 5'10 is because that people thought he was 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, it's a stupid league. They need confirmation that if he's 5'10, amazing. They, if it's, he's five stu- foot it's nine, a stupid league. If he's 5'9, we immediately drop him to the five, second round. 5'10, they can at least say, hey, look, Breeze. I guess Breeze measured at 6 foot is what and somebody what's said. And what's so great about that is it's, somebody said that he weighed in at 207, was pounding water before he stood on the scale. <laughs> Run that back at his pro day in a month from now and find out he's throwing at a buck 80 or at a buck 90. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. There's a lot of stupid things. There's a lot of stupid teams and yeah. a lot of old old school thinking. I'm not completely sold on it. I won't watch it. Um, I mean, you know, I won't watch it on TV. I'll watch the clips that pop up on Twitter. And there's certain guys that do have explosive athleticism. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. But I do agree with Schlereth. There's certain parts of this game where football guys just explain it's just football. It's just, you know, uh, certain parts of it are immeasurable. And they're trying to come up with metrics that you can put it, put some measurement to. And, I mean, I get it. These guys are about to make a, a somewhat of a huge investment. Well, here's the thing. There's but there's teams, so much tape. But there is teams that have started incorporating this. The Patriots use three-cone. Three-cone times are used for the way they draft cornerbacks. They found correlation there. Heights for cornerbacks from the Seattle scheme, the Jacksonville scheme, and the Niner scheme. They won't draft guys that are under 5'10". They won't draft guys that have less than 33 inches arms. It's it's a lot of luck that does go into it because you need a lot of things that break right. But teams have started saying, hey, look, we have history of, of what is successful and works in our system. Let's take our chances and see if we hone in on certain traits. We can draft well. I think it's it, there's certain aspects of it that need to be that are super util, uh, like very usable. Uh, I, I encourage them to be utilized. Other parts of it rather trivial, very done for TV. I think that there's a lot that can be said from deciphering tape. Even though the fact of the matter is, I've I've kind of contradicted myself. You get these 21 and 22 year olds that are lining up against 18 and 19 year olds that just aren't. But that's where the combine comes into play. Is like okay, rather than you can obviously see when someone's an athletic freak mm-hmm. on the field. Um, now I want to see how they line up. You know, I want to see how that freak wide receiver from LSU lines up against that exactly. freak wide receiver from Oklahoma. I mean, it, it, it does go back to that. I mean, it'd, have a gra- it'd be great to have a number there, but I'm also going to watch them on tape and see how they run their routes. Are they guys mm-hmm. that? Then and, what, and, what do but I? But the, you know. the combine isn't mutually. I mean, they're separate to that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the. I mean, they just want to see how guys are and 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 see. You know, you can't tell on a tape what a guy runs. You care about it. I don't. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We'll agree to disagree. Yeah. Um, All that matters is free agencies. You next find week. it. Thank you God. find it rather <laughs> useful. I find it somewhat useful. It's it's six and one to me. Doesn't matter. Moving on. <laughs> um, next up on the talking points, uh, we're gonna stick with football. Jason Witten has unretired, and there was a conspiracy theory that I saw on the Twatter machine. Uh, let me pull was it up. Was it a Middlecoff tweet? Let me find it. Yeah, actually, I think that's exactly. Yeah, John yeah. Middlecoff theory. ESPN was gonna fire him. Jerry threw a lifeline. So Jason Witten has decided to end his retirement and return to the Dallas Cowboys for what will be his 16th season. I think he signed a $5 million contract. Um, the internet bullied this into happening. That's what I'm convinced. Deadass. It's, it's bad when you would rather go back to being hit than stay in the broadcast. <laughs> he was so bad. He really was. And like ESPN hasn't been able to figure out the Monday Night Football thing. Like Ever since Gruden left, mm-hmm. it's been in shambles. Gruden and um, what's the other one? Uh, it's, um, shoot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mispronounce his name. Um, it was the one before Tess, the white guy, bald white guy. Theisman? No, Sensabaugh or something like that. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking. Okay, he, that's how forgettable Sean he is. Sean, somebody, yeah. Uh, but Sean they, Mc, not McDermott. It was Sean Mc something. But they worked well together. Mm-hmm. Those two worked well together. I uh, can't remember his name, <laughs> but well, with Gruden. What's, what's interesting is uh, Middlecoff was the guy that, look it up. that he kept saying there was tension between those two. It was something he would always consistently tweet about. 
He's had a lot of theories with the Monday Night Football crew. And Sean McDonough. McDonough. There you go. So uh, it doesn't. I mean, you, they worked well together on on the air. I like that. But ESPN hasn't had anything like that. It was awkward with Booger being down in the Booger mobile and like trying to go back so and forth. Stupid. You had Witten trying to come up with or remember those, um, you know, English uh, monikers and sayings. You know, he pulling rabbit out of his head. Yeah, pulling Whoa, rabbit out of his pause. head. Pause. Like, what is that supposed to, you know? And then uh, Tess. Yeah, I, mean, I love I love Joe Tessitore, but he's a boxing voice. There's just something about him mm-hmm. where it's, you know, uh, but there is something captivating about hearing him call certain guys on Monday night. That was great. He's just got a great announcer's voice. They just need to find the analysts. And the problem is, is that you go with these guys with football who just had so many concussions, and it's just hard for them to formulate a thought like that on the fly. You know? Yeah, I mean, I just don't know how a guy with no experience just hops in the booth. Well, you saw Tony Romo yeah, I mean, do it. Romo is the special case. Tony Romo has but set this unattainable standard now for ex-football players that want to be analysts. There's so many guys that have hopped in. Emmett Smith was another John example. Lynch was good at it. Yeah, John Lynch was really good. But they started John Lynch on, on smaller games. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they built his way up. Yeah. I mean, for, for Witten to just show up and be like, okay, you're the voice of Monday night, and he <sighs> just did not look like he was prepared. <laughs> That's so insane. who do you want to replace Witten with? Is there uh, anybody that- I think Booger is going to naturally go up in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I for me, I want, um, I want a quarterback, and if you're gonna if you're gonna have three guys in the booth, I want the play by play somebody, a media member, a certified media member for doing play by play. I want a quarterback up there to tell me what's going on offensively who can tell me – he doesn't necessarily tell me what's going on with every player on the field, but he can tell me what their responsibilities are. And then I want a defensive guy of some sort, probably a safety uh, linebacker or lineman. They're just yeah, – there's a stigma that comes with them. So I probably want a safety, you know, an ex-safety, some guy who – you know, or maybe even an ex-D uh, coordinator of some sort. Like Bruce Arians wasn't bad. He was interesting to listen to. Yeah. Uh, but there'd be certain points where it was just kind of like, all right, he's kind of coach yeah, rambling yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, a little bit rambling. Yeah, but so you need to reel that in. But yeah, there's certain parts of you know, it, it's just I, you want to inform and entertain. Like, mm. or does do you think the audience wants to be entertained and then informed, or informed and then entertained? Overall, entertained and then informed. Interesting, because I look at it as like I would want to inform and then entertain upon that information. Well, and this comes from somebody that is like into follows a lot i was telling you all the draft guys that i follow like I, i'm a football junkie but for the audience that they they're trying to get they want somebody that entertains mm-hmm. and then they'll hopefully have the second guy is able to inform and and kind of pass it off i mean that's that's the whole thing with gruden gruden was entertaining before he was informing yeah he got really cliche what do you think about peyton manning uh, that's what that's actually what i was going to say peyton mm-hmm. was the guy i think they should just throw a bunch of money at people know who he is they, they know his personality he probably test really you well you can get some progressive crossover there too just yeah. that was one i, c- I could see like down. watching the game yeah i could see <laughs> i could see my parents like i could see watching the game at my parents house and my mom walking by isn't that peyton manning yeah right and just freaking out look at how he runs that <laughs> route like that's oh, just man. state so farm amazing. in the background that's progressive bro yeah oh get progressive get that oh, right get that right oh, i'm so sorry yeah, you're is that good. drew Brees? that is state farm state farm is Chris Paul. Or is it Chris Paul? And, uh, uh, maybe forget, that's why I forget. I forget what his name get is, a better but sponsor. Oscar from The Office. Oh, God. Get a better sponsor, <laughs> State Farm. No wonder I don't remember who who's your sponsor. Um, all right. I, I named two guys that are better than Chris Paul. You got two guys that are better? No, than? as sponsors already. Oh, oh spokespeople and named yeah, two people that are better? No, that already named Peyton oh. Manning and whoever the uh, – there was a, somebody else. It was a joke. It was oh, a bad okay. joke. It went away <laughs> yeah, over I was trying to think. I was like, wait a minute. Who do we talk about? Um, I right. guess, oh, do we segue to the football part of this with Witten? Yeah. Well, what about you want to move on? Yeah, I mean, okay. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? 
Ooh. I love when people throw God, it out Bomani's there. the one that is against this, He's right? a compiler. If uh-huh. I'm going to use Stu Gatz's words, you know, or his vernacular, he's a compiler. Yeah. I just think he's a guy who, next year, what do you honestly expect from him? 50 catches, if that? Just, he's coming in in a leadership role. Yeah, he really is. I yeah. thought it was funny that Martellus Bennett was out there. Uh, that would be funny if they got him. He's yeah, entertaining. He's like, let's have, let's all have a comeback <laughs> together. But yeah, uh, he's a staple in uh, Dak's, you know, four four yard uh, cross. He'll be there. Cross or a button hook or something, you know, yeah, some sort leave, of. Hook. They, yeah, when they leave him underneath, he'll be there. His ability to get open against his own defense is absolutely astonishing. But I don't think what I don't yeah, think he's a Hall of Fame. Over right? under fifty catches this year. Over under five touchdowns. Ooh, I'm saying under under. Under. And then over on the touchdowns. Really? Yeah, I think he flukes his way into a couple. Okay. I think touchdowns. But is no kinda, more than eight. No, no more than eight. So he's like a six or seven. Yeah, and I, I think there's going to be a lot of fluky touchdowns where yeah. he's it's one yard and he, he just happens he to be open. Happens to be open in the, in the helmet. Yeah. yeah, the star I mean, of the yeah. helmet in the end zone. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Bryce Harper to the Phillies. He signed a 13-year, $330 million deal, and honestly, it's over. Because oh, I know it's, it's over. Like, Thank the, God. The drama's come. The drama's come to an end. Uh, you know, what's funny about this is I feel like it, with sports radio or just, you know, sports debates in general, there always has to be a winner. There always has to be a loser. And in this instance, I really feel like he won because over he only wanted to be a free agent once. He got paid the most money, so his agent, Scott Boris, has something to uh, hang his hat on there. I think I've, I've missed uh, miss – labeled his his prior agent i forget who it was it is scott boris now mm-hmm. i'll admit that i think i did that wrong um in prior shows but yeah scott boris gets the big number he was looking for he upped himself with the john carlos stanton contract but the phillies also won here because they're getting a hell of a deal think about it six years from now and you've got what could be one of the best baseball players and actually not even six Four years from now, you've got a guy who's in his athletic prime who could be one of the you know top five best baseball players in the game, and you've only got him for $25 million a year? Mm-hmm. That's a steal. The Dodgers were offering him north of $40 million a year. Yeah, I mean, it's God. Thir- you see he's 13 years, and I guess all the hockey people started chiming in. They said, oh, it's a hockey contract, and maybe that's why I got so uncomfortable. I think it was uh, Kovac- uh, maybe not Kovacek. Who was it that went off to uh, the Devils on that? Uh, like He had like mm-hmm. a 13-year, 70-something million dollar deal. It was absolutely ridiculous. Now he's playing in the KHL. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good luck, Bryce. <laughs> Um, yeah, that part kind of made me uncomfortable just because I'm not used to seeing it. But, I, I hey, look, we're, we, we've we been arguing Bryce for, like, the last three weeks. This is bad radio, but I pretty much agree with all your points. A 13-year contract seems like indentured servitude to a point. Like, granted, he's definitely getting a nice mm-hmm. compensation for it. Uh, but, yeah, 13 years for a guy that hits career 250, hasn't hit over 100 RBIs. He's playing in a in a T-ball park though in Philadelphia. I mean, yeah, we I mean you you use the stats of what he did at eight or Oracle Park now. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean he goes to the ballpark where he's hit the most home runs on the road. He goes to the ballpark where it's just a lot of good stats. I think it's uh his slugging percentage is the highest. Yeah, I mean it just makes it's sense. It's a great fit. It's and a business decision for him that's gonna work out well. And also they're they're set up for Mike Trout now because they have money at, for him at 25. Yeah. I mean that that. Shows there's a map to Mike Trout. Yeah, which, which is apparently crazy. he was in contact with them a lot this um, this off season. He said he was talking to him almost every day during the mm-hmm. whole the whole period. And he's he loves he's from Philly. He loves the Eagles. Well, Trout's from New Jersey, but he's real close to Philly. Oh, I mean, yeah, he it's, loves it's a weird yeah, dynamic. He, but he loves Philly. Out. Yeah, he just loves it. Did you it. see Bryce uh, misquote said, hey, "I'm trying to bring a championship to DC." <laughs> 
Gosh. Like, yeah, change that, bro. Oh gosh. Maybe that's, yeah, that's what happens when you're on free agency that long. Philly's ruthless, though. These people... He's going to get booed. I saw a tweet that said uh, there are 13-year-olds that haven't been born yet that will be throwing batteries at Bryce Harper by the end of this contract. He's going to get... Yeah, he's going to... It works well for the Phillies should it should it all come toppling mm-hmm. down. You know, say five years now, it's a very tradable contract. Yeah, that's that's the other part of and it. And somebody that's hurting for star power will definitely bring mm-hmm. him in. The, he'll be a giant in about five years, then yeah. if he's struggling. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> so I think overall it was actually one of the very rare win-wins for mm-hmm. everybody. I mean, if you include the agent, win-win-win. No opt-out. That shocked me. That's crazy, that right? You are committed. Me. But uh, at the same time, he said that he didn't want to be a free agent more than just once in his career. You know, it w- yeah, so. it was it was so opposite of a lot of what we see with the NBA. It's like mm-hmm. he wanted because there was so many reports that he didn't want to play in Philly, and for him to to do that, he yeah, the hundred percent in. How many championships do you think the Phillies win in that thirteen year deal? So just saying that he stays there all thirteen years. Uh, one in year thirteen, and he was already <laughs> wi- no. I I feel they're gonna win one because I I like their farm system. I like their their bar, ballpark. I like all the moves that they've done. They picked up uh, Real Real Muto. Yeah. So they have the best catcher in the league. It's gonna I, don't, make, I don't think they're that far off. It's going to make the National League very interesting because you have your standard powerhouses, uh, the Dodgers, the Cubs. I'll be nice and throw the Giants in there, even though recently Ugh. it's kind of been bleh. But then bleh. you have the Phillies, or uh, the Cardinals are another team that's always in the mix, seemingly. Uh, you have the Phillies. You have uh, the Padres with the two hot-shot young prospects that just made a ton of money. Uh, You have the Rockies, too, who paid out Arenado. So there's three teams there with three guys that are making just under a billion dollars in contract. And uh, I think that all three of them are special talents, but there are definitely certain pieces that I'd want over others, and Harper would be on the bottom of that list. Give me Arenado. Give me Machado. Although I'd want either Arenado or Trout, even though he wasn't on the board. I'd want Arenado or Trout. That's who I'd start my franchise with, and yeah. then I'd go after Machado or Harper if I had the chance. Yeah, and I'd probably put um, if if Mookie's probably going to get extended. That's what the Giants are running into. Losing out on Harper, you start looking the next two or three years. There's really not a lot of guys that They're are going to be out there. They're running into being like the Lakers, man, being uh, unable to pull free agents. Uh, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, it's they've like lost they have out money on a lot of guys. They have money to give to them, so... All right, last up on the talking points. I stumbled across this article last week, and I've held on to it. I've been sitting on it thinking about it. Uh, there are 10 teams here that Bleacher Report uh, is reporting that could bust your March Madness bracket because we are officially in March. It is getting close. This is the last week of the regular season in college basketball, and then we start conference tournaments. So you'll have a, you'll have a very good idea of who to fill out. I do well when I watch the conference tournaments. Um, I get a good idea of teams that I can that I can have at least winning one or two games in the brackets, and then once you get down to about the Sweet 16, that's when it's just a total crapshoot, really. Uh, first up on the list, number 10, the Vermont Catamounts. Have you watched very much of the University of Vermont? I this watched. Year? I like the way I watched more combine than I have college basketball combined in college basketball you could argue every game really matters in college where it's just you know i, I, I keep missing duke that's who i want to oh, well duke's wa- on I every know, day i want to watch duke and i still yeah. miss it it's yeah, just, like 25 yeah, televised games i just don't i wait till march madness so number nine really the sad. western kentucky hilltoppers uh no idea why they are march madness ceiling it says they oh ooh. says they could sneak in they could steal at least one game good for them south dakota state jackrabbits at number eight Looking uh, South Dakota Coyotes, so apparently South Dakota is gonna have a nice run. The Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, Boise State, uh, New Mexico State, Loyola Chicago, 
That's the uh, people that ha- I, I said that like Chicago, like <laughs> Chief Keith, uh, Loyola Chicago. That's Sister Jean's school. Yeah, for all of those of you that remember last year, the Middle Tennessee State Blue Riders or Raiders, and then number one, the Nevada Wolfpack. Uh, Nevada has I've 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 seen a couple Nevada games this year on the CBS Sports Network. A little late night Saturday night gambling um, on on Nevada, and they cover. They do a very good job. They had that rough loss against Utah State yesterday, um, but. That for the most part, that's a it's a pretty solid team. I could see Nevada being a team that makes a run to at least the Elite Eight. That would be my hot take there. But uh, you said you haven't been watching very much college basketball. No, I'm going through the articles. Is there really a team? Is it Lips? Lipscomb? Lipscomb, yeah. Bisons? I like that they could be a 12 seed just because of the whole 12 seed beating a 5 seed yeah. thing. Yeah. There are certain, seeds, there are certain right. seeds in the tournament where I Hardly. always look at those games where I'm like, uh, 4v13s, uh, 5v12s and 6v11s that I always look at. The 8v9s and the 10v7s, those are always just total coin flip games. So when do you start honing it? When do you start really watching college? Do you wait for the, the conference t- tournaments? That's when you're really Conference focused. tournaments is when I really, really turn up and amplify. I'm like, okay, college basketball is getting serious right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, at the beginning of the season, it's fun to watch the Maui Invitational, you know, Gonzaga beating Duke, it's okay. But those are, you know... At the end of the day, it's a bunch of 18- and 19-year-olds that are running around, and they have to develop their game. And by the time conference tournament comes around, you have a really good idea of what this team is, uh, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and what certain teams and how they can exploit that, you know, um, because they'll just be, for no reason whatsoever on a Tuesday night, I'll just be watching, like, a MEAC conference, you know, semifinals game. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even tell you teams that are in the MEAC. But I'm 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 just watching because I'm like okay I'm fascinated. Obviously these teams are playing for their tournament lives. Those are the most entertaining ga- uh, tournaments to watch. Yeah. Not the ACC, not the SEC, not the Pac-12. Where you know well the Pac-12 might not get a bunch of teams this year, but not conferences where you know there's gonna be you know anywhere from six to six to ten teams from that conference making the tournament. Um, it's the it's the smaller schools that you know the CAA the WCC. You know, those schools that know they're only going to get one or two teams if they're lucky. Well, obviously, they'll get the minimum one for winning mm-hmm. the tournament. But uh, even then, if you there's certain conferences where if you win your conference championship, all you get is that play-in yeah, game. Yeah, I was about to say, the, you're hoping you get in that play-in game. Yeah, which is nuts to me. But uh, it's still entertaining to watch. And uh, like I said, it helps me fill out my bracket. Wichita State busted my bracket a couple years back. They had that run where they went to, like, the Elite Eight or something like that. And I had them losing the first round and just completely torched everything. I think they ended up beating somebody that I had winning the the bracket or the whole thing. So, but anyway, yes, uh, NCAA tournament coming around the corner. We'll be coming in at you with our reckless predictions for that, filling out brackets. That'll be a fun time to to do the show. Selection Sunday comes out. We'll fill out our brackets oh, right here on the show mm-hmm. right after that. Yeah, uh, not a promise, not a guarantee. Just kind of hinting at what might happen. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, all right. Uh, now it is time for Tim Brown's stat of the day. Timmy. <laughs> And it's now time for stat of the day. We welcome on friend of the show, recurring guest, our uh, really our statistician, if you will, Tim Brown. Tim, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Fantastic. Wonderful. I can't speak for Mateo. He's wonderful. I'm fantastic. Wonderful. Wonderful. Paradise. 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 Like paradise, paradise. Paradise. <laughs> All right, Tim. Paradise. 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 Uh, um, so you have a. I, from what you were alluding to before we hit the record button on this, you have a couple stats for us. Yeah, I got a bunch of, like, really boring stats. Random stats. There's no such thing as a boring stat. Just random. How about that? Sure. Let's hear them. Oh, you know what? I found a good one. Okay. 
Alright, you ready for it? Or ready as we'll ever be. I'm sitting right, the down. The Miami Heat are the only team to win both the slam dunk contest and the three-point shootout in the same year. Oh! Can you tell us who it was? Cause, can I guess? I have an idea. Yes. It, it was the year that Capono was on the Heat. That's when no. they won the three-point. Okay, I'm wrong. All right, go ahead. No, right, wait. No, Mateo, Mateo, let Mateo guess. Oh, uh, so a three-point contest and dunk contest? In the same year. Yes. In the same year. Oh, God. Was it Chris Anderson for the dunker? No. Oh, God. Who else would be for the dunk contest? Because D. Wade mm, wasn't in the dunk no. contest. Was it way before? No. 95 was the year. Oh, jeez. Okay. Way wasn't Glenn Rice? Because he was probably too late if he did play for Who? Him. Glenn Rice? Glenn Rice won the three-point shootout. Oh, that's funny. I thought he won the dunk. But no. he, he won it for uh, Miami? Yeah. God, and who was the leaper for them at that time? No, I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to figure it out. Uh, if I may quote, I'm not going to quote it exactly cuz there's a word in there I do not use, but if I may quote Wale in his uh, song Barry Sanders off the 11 111 mixtape, I'm Michael Jordan and you are all Harold. Oh, Miner. minor. Jeez. Oh, uh, wow. See, I would have never guessed that. Known Harold minor. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. He was a, like a throwback machine. Uh, 95, I was two years old at that time. Fun fact. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Tim. That's, that's two years after my first uh, football memory. Oh, jeez. Like know, playing football or just too. what you remember from watching? watching? Oh, okay. I was watching, uh, that was the year, 93 was the year, uh, Leonard Lett, I think was his name. <clears throat> but it was the Bills in... Cowboys. Oh my God! Super Bowl. Oh, Leon Lett. Leon, Leon Lett. Leon yeah, Lett. yeah, yeah. Picked up the fumble and he's running for a touchdown, one-handed, celebrating. Showboat. And Bill's guy slaps out of his hand for a touchback. That, that, that was like a Super Bowl in the snow, wasn't it? I can't remember, but I just remember my uncle. Or just... may, or was that the one where they blocked the kick and he ran after it to go hop on it and he kicked it in front of him? Mm -hmm. I think that's the snow memory I'm thinking yeah, of from what had, I've seen. Yeah. He had a couple oh, boneheaded plays. Yeah. That was great. All right, uh, so this weekend we had UFC 235, and um, it was, it was a, I'm not going to lie, it was a pretty entertaining card. Um, what were your takeaways from it? Here's my first question. Did either one of you guys buy it? No. Okay. God, Mateo? no. I streamed that. I, I read it on Twitter at a bar. Yes. I, out of spite, I didn't even stream it. Ooh, that angry. You know, when ESPN pays, what was the number that we came up with? I remember Mateo. Four billion. Four billion dollars, and you still put it on pay per view. You don't put it on ESPN Plus. That's a big middle finger to the fan right there. Yeah, I agree. They missed out. That's true. I do enjoy when they put their events on ESPN Plus because it validates my my subscription. Right. Honestly, mm -hmm. just the one event a, a month validates well, the subscription for me. It's crazy. WWE oh, yeah. Network. They take the pay per views, and if you order and you stream, you can stream it, and it's part of the package. Like, how do you not use that as a model? The WWE Network? Yeah, you, oh, can, okay. you can get all the pay-per-views. Mm -hmm. for, and I mean, they still offer it separately if you want to watch it on TV, but you can stream it for if, for the package to get subscribers. Oh. I don't know why ESPN just bump it up to $11.99. I will say this, though. The prelim card was very entertaining, the one that they did show on ESPN. You had Diego Sanchez beating Mickey Gall, uh, Cody Stanman, or Stammen, 
being Alejandro Perez, Johnny Walker. That was an entertaining knockout. That was that was quick. And then uh, I, I like the dislocated shoulder better. Oh my god! Wait, do they really have a Johnny Walker? Yeah, they have a Johnny Walker. He won by a flying knee thirty seconds into the fight, and then actually dislocated his shoulder and celebrating. I don't care. Johnny Walker needs to fight Conor <laughs> McGregor now. Like that needs to happen. He's, he's a light heavyweight. I don't care. I don't care. There needs to be a. There needs yeah, to be Connor a. Connor, yeah, needs, needs to be a whistle. <laughs> but uh, and then you had Zabit beat uh, Jeremy Stevens. So that was um. I mean, I'm practicing Zabit's last name too, Magomed Sharapov. So I can't say uh, it that fast. If if I looked at it, I could send it out for you. Magomed Sharapov. There you go. Beat Jeremy Stevens, who I thought was actually um, Steven. Who's the kickboxer? I always I confuse him for um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. There you go. I I was up until this fight. I'm looking at Jeremy Stevens. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see that. And then I see him get introduced. I'm like, oh, that's a different guy. I I mixed up I mixed up the two. That's not even close in name either. Well, Steven Thompson, Jeremy Stevens, give me some, cut me some slack there. Right, okay, for there's for a the lot casual, of fighters to keep track of. Casual fan, I guess you could mistake the two of them. I have my favorites that I pay attention to, and those two are not not my favorites. Okay, so cut me some I'm, slack I'm gonna, there. I'm, I'm going to refrain from saying something really just hurtful right now. Diego Sanchez. Good. Diego <laughs> Sanchez actually won the Ultimate Fighter Season 1. I can't believe he's still fighting. Uh, 29 and 11. Season 3, right? Was it Season 3? I thought it was Season 1. Oh, no. Season, season 1 was for Griffin. My bad. Um, mm-hmm. That was a slugfest at the end. That was great. Yeah, but that was that was a good fight. Um, other fights that I liked on this card, uh, you had Cody Garbrandt lose to Pedro Munoz. Um, if I mispronounced that, my bad. But that one... That one caught me off guard because Garbrandt, for this this bad boy image that he has with all the tats and everything, really can't stand in there and throw. Like I, it, he's almost got the Chuck Liddell glass jaw syndrome going with me. That's what I'm yeah, looking at. He's getting close to it for sure. I watching that fight, there was a couple missed headbutts, which you know they're throwing, so it happened. So he probably got clipped a couple times by those. Uh huh. Not trying to give him an exact excuse for getting knocked out, but. Definitely when you get touched like that a couple times, you just go. And he even said, you go on autopilot and you're just winging it. Yeah. You're just, just mirror him, let's go. And when that happens, it's a 50-50 chance, you know. The uh, women's strawweight fight between Tisha Torres and Weile Zhang. I had no idea who Zhang was, but when I saw she was 18-1 and and on an 18-fight winning streak, I was like, okay, that's somebody who lost her first fight and then has just continued to learn and dominate ever since. Straight out of China. Yeah. A great fight. Um, another good another good fight was I honestly think was the best one of the night was uh, Ben Askren defeating Robbie Lawler. Now I had listened to Rogan hype up Ben Askren as a wrestler, so I knew as soon as he took this fight to the ground, it was probably going to go in his favor. Um, I had you know shouts out to Bavada. I put a little little some some down on there. Uh, but Robbie Lawler picked him up and slammed him on his shoulder and face. And I tweeted out to somebody, to you know, some verified user who tweeted out something about Ben Askren. I was like, a mortal man would have died right there because he got slammed so hard it cut his face open. And he still ends up winning the fight by submission in the first round. Granted, uh, Herb Dean jumped in there a little early. Um, I'm not exactly sure what was going on there, but Robbie Lawler looked like he was kind of out for a second. Am I wrong there? Yeah, well, it's hard for me to really judge one way or another on that one because... When you watch the fight back, there is that one moment during the ground of pound, <clears throat> sorry, ground of pound of Lawler that it looks like Askren has getting bounced around pretty good, and oh, yeah. it could have been jumped in and stopped there as well. So mm-hmm. 
when it's not an early stoppage one way and it's an early stoppage the other, it's kind of a hard. Well, Herb Dean picked up his swallow. picked up his arm. You kind of see it drop before he catches it a little again. It wasn't like the uh, the elbow was underneath the chin like it's supposed to be, but the elbow was wrapped around the mouth, which I feel like is enough to suffocate a guy. You know, the mouth and nose would could suffocate a guy and prompt him to pass out, even if yes. it was just a momentary thing. Um, I mean, it when was, you give the thumbs up and you're saying I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, and it still gets called. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, what was he was he supposed to do just? WWF and leave his hand up and start shaking and do the Hulk Hogan. No, the no, 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 no. But it's a bulldog <laughs> choke at that point. Make an effort to pick him up and suplex him or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Just you have to you have to make the effort to get out of the choke, and it doesn't feel like he was making the the effort to get out of it. He was just kind of like, okay, he's got his arm wrapped around my face. I'm gonna chill here, and I don't blame Herb Dean. Um, the only reason I'm jumping Askren's defense is because I did, in fact, win the bet. But um, you know, I I do think it was it was a stoppage that was called a little too early. But it was it was an entertaining fight from start to finish, from the time that he got picked up and dropped on his face, cut it wide open, till the t- till all of a sudden you you look and all of a sudden he's got Robbie Lawler in the bulldog choke, and it's just like, oh, how did that happen? Yeah, I will say that the after fight press conference made me still enjoy Robbie Lawler and root for him. As yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't hear that, so what did he say? Robbie Lawler said exactly that. He's like, I gave him a thumbs up, said I'm good. I'm not, you know, trying to knock Askren. We could run it back. We could, you know, it'd be totally fine with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not throwing any shade. I'm not making excuses. What happened, happened. Okay. And then Askren comes out saying, oh. There's talks of a rematch, and he said, nope, I will not fight Robbie Lawler again. I didn't want to in the first place. Interesting. I'm focusing my, yeah. So for me, that's just, in my opinion, if I hear a fighter saying that, that's him saying, I lost. I got my ass kicked. I don't want to fight him again. I got lucky. You know, I'm going to focus my talent elsewhere. That's pansy. Yeah, for real. So... Okay, well, I mean that. I mean, I still won the bet, so I'm not. I'm not tripping off of it. But yeah, that does change my opinion. How much did you win? Uh, it was a parlay, so I only put down like ten, and I turned it into eighty or something like that. Because I was, I was, yeah. Ka-ching. Now Now I was gonna say, not too bad, Homo Um, and then in the co-main event, we had Tyron Woodley versus Kamaru Usman. Uh, Usman just dominated this fight from start to finish, which is weird because you see Woodley's able to defend himself when he's standing up. He's got a decent uh, set of boxing skills, and then when it goes to the ground. He's very good there, very disciplined. Uh, interesting to find out during that fight um, that that was the second time that ever in his career that he had been taken down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Takedown defense was like, if it was on a scale of 1 to 100, it'd be, it'd be like 101. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried to bet with you on that one, and I never heard back from you. So. I know, because that one, I was, <laughs> I was very confused. I wasn't sure which way to go with that, and ultimately, last minute, I ended up putting Usman on the parlay, but, or, um, but it was just like... I mean, you know, Tyron Woodley's so dominant, and to see him get ragdolled like that, you know, for five rounds was just like, holy crap. Um, and unfortunately, sorry for interrupting you. No, 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 go ahead. Um, what I saw was during the Damian Maya fight, the Usman's fight before this one, and he's taking down this Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner like it's nothing, and he's escaping submissions like it's nothing. And then after, after this fight, the sad thing is that there's been a couple of scuffles with Covington, and so now I 
Here's my bold prediction. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I'm going to put you on hold there because we're going to cover that. I have that as a little sub-bullet point under here, underneath the UFC 235 reaction. So I want to cover the other, the main event before we get to that, if, if we oh, can. Oh, come on. If we can, if we can. Because there's some, con- there's some controversy here with the John Jones-Anthony Smith fight. So John Jones ultimately wins by decision. Um, but there was, uh, Mateo asked if there was multiple illegal strikes. I only saw the one illegal knee that Herb Dean ended up docking two points from him. Uh, Anthony Smith could have easily said, no, I can't continue. One on the disqualification. They could have had the rematch where he would have been the champion. A lot of people patting him on the back saying that he's a noble fighter, uh, did the, you know, showing a lot of character and class, continued to fight because it wasn't, it, it wasn't something he felt would ultimately affect him, goes on to lose. Uh, because John Jones is just a freak, but um, I just want to get your reaction from that. Because we, or, or I would say we, the UFC community, fight fan community, they everybody ripped Greg Hardy a new one when he pulled the illegal knee, and I feel like John Jones is getting a pass here. Are you surprised? Well, you know, I mean, if we're looking at it from a soci, or from a from a soci, you know, sociology standpoint, it's two black guys. Why are we picking the one black guy to rip and not the other one? You know. I mean, the one black guy that's been repeatedly accused and arrested on domestic violence or the other one that's been or the other one that's been uh persecuted and harassed because because of drug abuse i'm just saying it's too interesting that's there's your social there's ah, sorry that's your social i can't even sociological that's your sociological answer is that one guy has had a past of beating women the other guy has not oh really bad yes he's yeah yes he's been you know has had substance abuse and this and that the other thing but the other way to look at it too is this john jones dude well, well it's real. Um, i think i think oh, sorry go ahead Mateo. oh sorry the no, no. casual ufc fan hopping back in but i feel that the reaction was more so that they they a lot of people said well he's inexperienced you know they weren't mad about that it was kind of more of you get what you deserve for putting this guy on national tv oh so and you think it was more of a that's ESPN the way backlash. i that's the way i feel the backlash came out because it was like look he did something dirty He's somebody that has a very dirty past. You get what you deserve for pushing this guy. Well, they're both guys with muddied past, I, right? I don't, and it comes I don't down disagree to a, with that. A I, discipline I, issue, really. Yeah, is, do you I have the discipline seen, to stay mm-hmm. clean? Do you have the discipline to not hit somebody that you know should not be hit? Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that this is... Sorry for interrupting, Mitchell. Oh, no, no, everybody, everybody's second. interrupting. Go uh, ahead. This is Jones' second uh, time. His, actually, his only loss came from mm-hmm. a disqualification from an illegal elbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 12-6. to six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think what probably helped it was that Anthony Smith, he just kept fighting, and he could he didn't he which didn't, I said t- shows which more I, about Anthony I, Smith. I also think took a lot of the heat off of John Jones because of that. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't agree I don't disagree but I feel that's the way I look at it. Definitely commendable effort by Anthony Smith on that on that and he even said it's like there's no in his post fight conference he said I'm not going to win the championship that way I'm going to win by winning the fight. And he said that he didn't feel like he uh, really got knocked around or anything. He just said that he was picked apart and just neutralized. It really was. It was a five-round just exhibition on John Jones on how to take somebody down. Um, right. I mean, he ultimately didn't get him to – he didn't knock him out. He didn't submit him. But it was just five rounds of just breaking down your opponent, um, in, in a dissection, if you will. All right, let's All right. bring it back to the uh, Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington scuffles that we had here that you were you were wanting to talk about a second ago. They had a little bit of a riff. Uh, what was it? Open workouts to the media on a Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe it was, where Colby Covington shows up with the belt, 
the interim belt or some sort. Um, and yes. it's flashing it in his face. And then there was, a, I saw a video from TMZ of a scuffle that almost took place. Um, it was more of a shoving match between personnel, Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman's personnel. But yeah, he, he really wants at him. Yeah, definitely. And I think what's going to happen, what you're going to see is that one person who's very bad at promoting his own fights is going to be quote unquote traded to a different fight division. And you're going to see Covington and Usman fight for the championship. You're saying Usman's the one that's very bad at promoting his own fights. Tyrone Woodley. Oh, very Ty- bad at oh Tyrone Woodley. Okay. I have a feeling that that was Tyrone Woodley's last fight in the UFC. Oh, you think he'll get uh, traded? Hot takes. Yep. Okay. Who do they trade yeah, him for? I don't know who they trade him for, but I definitely can see this being his last fight in the UFC. Was- Same way that Demetrius Johnson went out. You lose your title and you're not a great... You're a fan favorite. You don't promote your fight, so... The only way to promote you was through your belt. Was it because you don't promote yourself, the only way they could promote you is, hey, this is the champ, come watch the champ, and now that he doesn't have the belt, it's it's over is what you're saying. Mm, yeah. Okay. I can Unfortunately. agree... Unfortunately. Oh, no, no, I agree with that, and that's the nature of the business. Um, is Rory McDonald in the same weight class as Tyrone Woodley? Rory McDonald has fought... In the welterweight division, because the, the last time he fights middleweight, I was gonna say the last time they went to war, or the last time he went to war in that weight class was against Robbie Lawler, was it not? Yes. Okay, so then his face was broken. So what if one? Both of their faces were broken. That's that's true. Um, so using your conspiracy theory, what if um, or your hot take, if you will, what uh, could you imagine one FC trading Rory for Tyrone? Because you could get somebody in Tyrone Woodley who could become a champ in one FC. You'd have to work with him on his ability to promote, but that's a championship-level talent, and you get that back with Rory McDonald, who's already holding a belt in one. Is he in one or is he in Bellator? Oh, no, he's in Bellator. Excuse me. My bad. Sorry. So, no, you're fine. Uh, oh. if, if, if he was in one FC, then yes, but since he's in Bellator, no, and I think uh, Rory McDonald. And UFC have a pretty checkered past, and I do not see him coming back to. I don't know what led fight. to that. What led to that divorce? I don't recall. Money. Oh, okay. He just money won. and the lack of promotion, and it was actually it was that fight when it was. I can't remember what the purse was, but I want to say it was like a four five hundred thousand dollar difference in the winner and loser, and it was just like. I'm pretty sure Lawler, you know, gave him some of the money and said we're splitting this because that was a war, but. In the scheme of things, it's UFC does not do a very good job of paying mm-hmm. their non-star fighters. Yeah, that I've heard that. Yeah, so unless you're a guy that's willing to get out there and or or a girl who's willing to get out there and make some noise and draw attention to the sport, you're not going to get compensated for it, which is unfortunate. But I mean, that's how it goes in boxing. That's how it goes. That's really how it is in all combat sports. You got to promote. Yeah, it's nature, unfortunate, but nature of the beast. You go, you go and play UFC three on any any game console that you will. Um, that's part of the task is when your fighter's careers, you have to promote your fight. It's just kind of funny how they threw that niche in there. Uh, you yeah, know. I never did. Well, you know, it's if you do, you get you get bigger bonuses and you can unlock the gym. But that's neither neither here nor there. Um, you unlock the gym. You you can help unlock better gyms because you get paid more, and then you can unlock the you can you can afford uh, the more expensive gym. It's all it's a little weird thing how they do that, but. Uh, Covington also called out Dana White. I guess he he really what is what was that about? Did you hear that? Uh, Covington thought that he should be fighting for the title instead of Usman, and there's been contract talks in the past for Woodley Covington, and Covington has pulled out of those. So I think it's just Covington's trying to be 
I'm trying to think of a good way of putting this. He's An antagonist? Ignorant and cocky like... Arrogant? McGregor. Okay. But at the same time, having the Diaz family F Dana White in UFC philosophy. Okay, so he wants to be a big-name guy who promotes his fights, but he wants to be the big-name guy for saying, like, F the system or F the, you know. Right. Okay, I get what you're he's saying. He's trying to be like Zach LaRocca, but he's nowhere near as cool or... <laughs> See, he's, just playing, he's playing the antagonist. He's That's what he's, he's doing. He's trying to, yeah. but he's not doing a very good job. Oh, well, you know, best of luck to him. His... I can tell you every... I haven't asked you or Mattel about it, but every fight fan that I've talked to all want to see him get his ass handed to him on a silver platter. I haven't seen him fight enough to honestly dislike or, you know, like or dislike him, but if he got a, if he got a championship fight scheduled and I saw the promotion tour, I'm sure he'd say some stuff where I was just like, yeah. Yeah, a uh, couple of clips I saw on Twitter, I was just like... Oh, I heard yeah, I heard I Joe Rogan that. say that when he won his intern belt, he said the first thing he was going to do was take it to Donald Trump, and uh, I know mm-hmm. that that would piss off just a large amount of people in itself. Yeah, so. I think he was wearing a MAGA hat, too. Yeah. He, a, does. yeah just, he does. He does. Interesting. Funny how it plays into that. I mean, fighting the fighting game plays into racial stereotypes anyway. So if you could get Usman, who's Nigerian, to go up against Covington, who's this you know MAGA guy, that would be in itself. Oh, that'd be that'd be awesome. Just from a Africa's fight, Africa's first uh, fight UFC promotion. champion. Yeah, I mean he deserves it. He's a hell of a fighter. He is ten straight fights. Yeah, ten straight wins. Oh, and circling back for you, Mateo, the first illegal strike they called. Non-illegal because he struck him in the arm and not the head. Oh, okay. That's what they're saying is that it was a arm, it was a kick to the arm, not to the head. A, Although if his arm was not there, he probably would have just technicality squared. Mm-hmm. So almost got penalized for a technicality, Close. but actually does not get penalized for the technicality because of a technicality. So inter- stupid. Interesting how it works. Like so that. after watching, uh, uh, what's his name? Are we blanking? Is it? It was Smith that fought uh, John Jones. Yes, Anthony Smith. Train yes. back on track. Lionheart. Um, how do you feel about where, I mean, he went the distance with Jones. Do you feel stock up, stock down? I know you were pretty high talking about him going into the fight. Uh, stock up for sure. And I think the hardest part in the 205 division is you don't have a lot of big names. It's not the division that, I'm going to say it, it's not the division that won the UFC over by all the fans. That was featherweight. No. What was the, what Are you was, kidding me? Uh, the light heavyweight division ran UFC for the longest time. I'm like saying all what, the championship fights that were headliners for UFC, I would say, twenty through one hundred. All the championship fights, the majority of them would be the light heavyweight championship. I would say featherweight and middleweight is when you had the most clashes. What was GSP fighting at? Was that was that welterweight or was it middleweight? Because uh, it goes feather. It goes feather middle welter, right? Or does it go feather welter middle? Uh, middle welter. Okay. Welter's one. I think those are the, those are your three. Those are your three most. I I'd argue those are your three most marketable because you get your average Americans range in size from five foot seven to six foot one, and they all range between that weight. And you get obviously those guys are in freak shape, but you know people are drawn to guys that are like their their size. You know, like heavyweights. Uh, in regardless if it's boxing, kickboxing, UFC, you'll always get the guys to tune in for a heavyweight because that's just the nature of the beast. But I feel like where a lot of those good battles, you you provide a valid point there with the light heavies. But uh, that's, you know, definitely when it was up and coming. But as far as the mainstream appeal has come, it's definitely come from your feather, welter, and middleweight guys. No? I don't know. I'd argue against it, honestly. Interesting. I mean, you, you hmm. give me a name from any one of those divisions, and you can match it with a light heavyweight guy throughout the years. And that's the hard thing is you have K1, 
Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, Rampage, Vondelay Silva, John Jones now. You know, the light heavyweight division has been so deep for so long that it's fallen off now. Mm-hmm. And nowadays you can't really name that many people that are in that division. Okay. All right. I mean, can you name – can you give me two more fighters? I was going to say, aside from McGregor, I'd throw out like a BJ Penn, a GSP, Matt Hughes. What was uh, Dan Henderson? Matt Hughes. Dan, Dan Henderson. Henderson uh, Forrest he Griffin. Was, Dan Henderson was light heavyweight. Forrest oh, Griffin was light heavyweight. They were? Okay, I thought those guys mm-hmm. fought at middle. I thought, nope. I, okay, my, then excuse me. So, yeah, I'm wrong. Hand up, I was loud wrong. That's okay. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like, even right now, there's, it's the 205, and this is the, the sociological thing, it, again, for the 205, or maybe not that, but the, it's the Adonis effect. Is it, you have these guys that are six foot and above walking around at 220, 230, cutting down to 205, just looking like superheroes. Shredded. I mean, look at Anthony Johnson for all yeah, those fights. I was, fights. I was, I was about to say, Rumble Johnson, man, yeah. And he used to cut down to middleweight back in his earlier days, too. But, you know, there's another name, Anthony Johnson, 205 fighter. Guff Jason, I guess, is another guy. But these guys just walk around looking like damn superheroes, and it's like... Tim, I'm going to test your theory right now, and I'm just going to Google famous UFC fighters, and we're going to see which which uh, which fighters... Boyce Gracie's going to be the first one that pops up. Who do you think it is? Wrong, actually. Oh, really? So I have a uh, – this is successstory.com, the 10 most famous successful UFC fighters. That seems kind of redundant there. Uh, Anderson Silva fought at middleweight, former middleweight champion. And then um, where's the rest of the list? Most successful or most recognizable? It just says most famous successful UFC fighters. It actually really doesn't make sense, honestly, when I read that <laughs> headline. Uh, then you get GSP, who is another one. Uh, John Jones at three, so that verifies you. Matt Hughes, number five, Chuck Liddell. He was another light heavyweight, right? Yep. BJ Penn. Uh, so, so far, we're kind of dead even right now, going going stride for stride. Then you get Randy Couture. Uh, he was 205 and heavyweight. Yeah, Frank Shamrock. He was 205 and heavyweight. Hoist Gracie. He So, back when Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock fought originally there were no weight classes yeah this it just says his little blurb is well known for beating opponents much larger than himself um all right and then tito ortiz and mark coleman so those are they, two five, two five. i was gonna say those uh, yeah so there is there's some credence to what you're saying there yeah and i don't know i mean mark look, coleman i think coleman no it's not coleman I, was, I keep on trying to remember the name of the guy who we were talking about a while back where he just ran him across the ring and dumped him on his head no, oh, that was uh, Frank Trigg. There you go, Trigg. Yeah. Okay. What were we saying, Mateo? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just looking. I was like looking at buy rates. Just I was curious what if. What, oh, what, the highest purchased yeah, UFCs see, ever. I mean, some of it's inflated now. I mean, McGregor is on one, two, three, four, five, and then Lesnar, Carwin is after that for buy rates. Then Ro- then Ronda's the next two. Then Jackson Evans, Lesnar, Kane. Oh, Rashad Evans. What are you looking? Are you looking at Business Insider? Champion. Uh, Tapology. Oh, Tapology. Okay. Shout <laughs> out. Can we, uh, they would be a cool sponsor. No, that was that was the first uh, Google sponsor response there. Yeah, the Khabib McGregor. Tapology. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so. I don't dis- I don't disagree. I I you know I just thought that recent I would say recently it is the the lighter lighter weight classes that are getting more attention. But I would agree that over the longevity it has been the light heavy and the heavyweight. Um, but that, I mean, but then I would also chop that up to some degree of just combat sports in general. The bigger the guys that are fighting, the more people are going to tune in because the bigger they are, 
the harder they fall. Because the harder they throw. Yeah, that's But true. yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think the big push of the lighter weight classes in all sports. Actually, not so much boxing. I would say boxing. Boxing big. just has too many weight classes. Right. But I think it's the fight knowledge of the general fan is increasing. And so you see a lot more technical guys that are just like winning fans over. Yeah. If it ain't, if, right. if it ain't heavyweights in boxing, you'll get that nice uh, welterweight where it's about 154 or something like that. Whatever Canelo and Triple G fight at. That's and and Floyd Mayweather was right around there too. That's where you see a lot of guys, Amir Khan, too. Um, so if it, it, but then as of recently, we've had the push with Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. So those are heavyweights that are getting back in the mix. But yeah, there's just there's certain weight classes that are prone to do better than others, which is why I don't blame the UFC for. I'm shifting the narrative here. I don't blame the UFC for trying to get rid of that uh, 125 division. I do and I don't. I, yeah. I think that if once we see the fight of, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on their names. I feel like a jerk. What was the fight right before this one? Uh, anyway, it was the featherweight guy and the lightweight guy. Oh, it was uh, uh, Dillashaw and Cejudo. Yeah, there you go. Once they fight, if when they run back their fight, if Cejudo wins again. That's your case for keeping the featherweight division around. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I agree. If Dillashaw wins, then sorry, guys. Bulk up. All right. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much, Tim. Do you have any parting shots before we bid you adieu until Wednesday? Um, like I said, I'll keep the mean comments to myself. All right. Thank you. For today, I'll, I'll save you because Flan's not there. I, <laughs> I don't need to try to impress him today. <laughs> okay. All right, Tim. <laughs> we'll talk to Gentlemen, you later. Enjoy later. the third shot of whiskey. Bye. <laughs> There are winners. I'm by winning. Winner, winner, ultimate winner. Wow, winning. And there are losers. Loser, 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 loser. Winners and losers for episode 70 of the podcast. Um, Mateo, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Jonathan Tavares of now the, I believe it's the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. He, um, he got he he went back to play the Islanders, the New York Islanders, and got booed. Jersey was burned. They went the whole nine yards. They threw the jersey at him. They booed him. They did the whole asshole chant. Um, something about players going back to play at their old stomping ground is mm-hmm. amazing. Can't hold it against this guy though because he um his what was I gonna say? Oh, he, he, he there's pictures of him in Maple Leaf pajamas when he was a kid. Like that's his childhood team that he wants to play for. That's like you, uh, getting drafted by, you know, let's say. Who's a who's a national or NFC team? That's like you getting drafted by the Vikings and going to play in San Francisco. And the time that you go back to play in Minnesota, they're holding up, pulver- they're burning Pulverari jerseys in front of your face. Well, he turned down our shark, so he deserves everything that he gets. <laughs> that's that's what it comes down to. You you got what you deserved. You should have came to San Jose. So loser for that. That's unfortunate. But it's always fun to watch the fans that yeah. that burn the merchandise. Well, like you've already paid for it. It doesn't make any sense to me. What's tough too is like he was very upfront. I mean, not directly, but with the actions that he did, he turned down the extension. They offered him multiple extensions. He turned it down. You knew it was going to happen. And, you know, like, I, th- I thought you made a great point. He went back home. Mm-hmm. You can't be too mad at a guy that, that did everything. He didn't drag you along. We're not going to get mad at Mike Trout when he ultimately decides to sign with Philadelphia. Yeah, we won't, get tr- we, don't get, we won't get mad at KD when he goes back to New York. Well, even though he, he has yeah. no association with New York, but yeah, we're not going to get mad at KD. <laughs> That'd be, we wouldn't be mad at I'm KD r- if he went and signed with the Wizards. That's where I wouldn't be mad oh, at Oh, yeah, Washington. Or, the, or if he wants to play for Daniel Snyder. <laughs> 
Um, okay, next up on the winners-losers list, the MLB has announced it will not be using the pitch clock this year. Experimentation with it this uh, spring training has gone well, but they are not willing to use it this year. Uh, winner or loss for the MLB? Oh, God. I just don't, I don't care. <laughs> you don't care. I really just I'm going to mark it as a loss because you're coming up, you're constantly trying to come up with ways, you claim that you're trying to come up with ways to speed up the game and pe- keep people interested, and... I think there's ways to solve this. Obviously, the commercial breaks are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The amount of commercial breaks you have are too much. Um, if you're only allowing guys to warm up for 90 seconds in between innings anyway, do an ad read. Or, like I tweeted out, have innings be sponsored, right? The seventh inning is sponsored by Oil Stop. Yep. You need a speedy oil change, stop by Oil Stop. Or the fourth inning is sponsored by Target. You know, save more shop, whatever the hell they're, they're saying is. There's ways to speed it up. I agree with the pitch clock. You get, Basketball has a shot clock. But football has a play clock. I'm not. I'm gonna die on this hill. There needs to be a pitch clock in baseball, even if it's only 20, but, uh, 25, but I've heard 30 the perspective seconds. Perspective of a lot of pitchers, though, with the pitch clock, that it's you know they don't they want to be properly warmed up, and they and and they also don't want to be forced to go out there. Try about it. Look at all the arm injuries, though. I mean, there is a there is a lot of science behind it, though. That's because they're throwing so hard, though, is it not? It's yeah, but then you're so then you're rushing a process where an, these guys aren't properly getting ready. We're in an age of power pitching when we we came from f- a mixture of finesse and power. But isn't part of being an athlete your ability to adapt? The great ones are able to adapt over time. Over time, this is something that's going to be sudden. I mean, I get it; they're trying, but all of a sudden, when it's implemented, they're not going to have time to adjust to it. There is no excuse why past 2020 there should not be a pitch clock in baseball you know what if you if you really care if they truly care about the game then do what you did cut commercial start there Mm -hmm. that's That's important with how much money that they bring in from tv deals from sponsorship they really don't need what about experimenting with the pitch clock during regular season and then postseason there's nothing like postseason baseball well i mean there's really nothing like playoff sports in general just the Mm -hmm. postseason for whatever sport you're it is hockey football basketball baseball there's just next level with it but if they're going to do that, I would almost suggest regular season, since it's so mundane, it's so mm-hmm. arduous, there's 162 games, why not, you know? And make it a 35-second clock. That way they have plenty of time to shake off as many signals as they want. and take. It takes three seconds to deliver a ball. And Don't I'm, give me that. I'm also interested to see with the Giants moving up to 645. Like if a game. Oh, they're starting at six forty-five. Yeah, now? they're they're bumping up games. Interesting. So oh, maybe, thank you for that. I was gonna. I was otherwise I'd be tuning in at seven fifteen. Right. So let's. I'm curious to see. Like maybe if a game does end ten, you know, and even though mentally it's you know you're not really thinking about it, maybe you're not as mad when it when it's going to ten thirty or eleven, you're upset about yeah. it because it's tough on your daily grind. Well, there's certain games though where you do get like a fifteen inning baseball game. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, I'm not leaving the couch. This exactly. Is awesome. It's, yeah, it's really cool when it. When but it getting happens, to but the fifteen. Yeah, and it was it was happy. It's been happening way too much, where yeah. it's three hours and 30 minutes, three hours and 40 minutes. Ooh, it's interesting. I don't know if you noticed this in the Bay Area. It seems like A's games, for some reason, they just fly by. Mm-hmm. The average length of an A's game is like two hours, 30 minutes, two hours, 45 minutes. And Boom, the Giants done. the Giants are the ones that have these three-hour, three-hour, 15-minute games. And it's just, I don't know if part of it's strategy or the way the AL is set up but compared to the NL. It's just, it's always baffled me how, and I've noticed this trend over like the past five years. Just uh, I should say eye test. I'm sure the numbers might dictate a little bit different. It might not be as exaggerated as I'm claiming it to be, but it seems like A's games fly by faster. 
just that's just now. Not. Now I'm gonna see if there's like somebody that's done a pace of NL games versus <laughs> AL games. Observation. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up on the winners and losers list, we reported this last episode that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would be auctioning off memorabilia and his uh, four of his five championship rings. So that has happened. He has auctioned off all necessary memorabilia that he wanted to and has raised $2.8 million for charity. That's awesome. Good job, Kareem. Thank you very much. Stay healthy, Kareem. That's what we like. That's a giant W for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All right, and uh, we're going to return to baseball here, a very nasty L. Where were you on Friday when you saw TMZ break down the video of Giants? I don't even know exactly what he is. Larry Bear. Yeah, Larry Bear. What is what is his official role with the Giants? Uh, CEO. CEO. Yeah, okay. and and pretty much he's the un- he he speaks for the ownership group. Terrible, terrible look. He was uh, on video ripping out a cell phone out of his wife's hands as she fell out of a chair, and then he stands over her, walks away, and then walks back and tells her to stop whining, be exaggerated, or whatever. And uh, no witnesses, I mean, no police called onto the scene until after they had left. Uh, police interviewed witnesses, but it was still caught on camera. Terrible look. What are your thoughts as a Giants fan, and what do you want to see happen to Larry Bear? It was tough. My brother texted me, and I, I went upstairs. I just took my break and went upstairs just to see what was going on. And I was like, "Wow, it's it's a guy you wouldn't, you just didn't anticipate it's all em- this that happened. It's embarrassing. Embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I think it's just you know, old rich white men are starting to get called to the carpet in mm-hmm. this technological age. Uh, you know, obviously we could point to the big two two stains right now would be Robert Kraft. And Larry Bear, and there's people that are arguing what Robert Kraft did wasn't even that, you know, technically wrong. It's just the fact that he participated in in what is a prostitution well, ring that's so egregious. But with Larry Bear, Larry Bear, this is uh, a certain level of domestic violence. Now he didn't punch her, or hit her, but he he ripped, he, he caused enough of a commotion the, to have her op- fall out yeah, of the chair. Yeah, the optics are terrible. Yeah. So what do you think should happen to him? God, suspended. I would. I. I want to see him kind of step down too. I feel, and I. I. I don't. It wouldn't surprise me because if you looked, at, have you looked into what Jar- Charles Johnson, the a lot of the stuff he dealt with, uh, he gave money to right wing, but it was very racial of what mm. was going on. So you look into that, and I wonder if they if they're pushing out if they push out Bear to kind of take heat away from Charles Johnson of because of, they can't push Charles Johnson out because of how much money he is. He's their biggest investor in the team. Yeah, yeah. So now I wonder if Larry Bear is a guy that they they push out just to kind of stop. Residually. Exactly. Like, okay. um, God, I mean, he's a guy that, I mean, his, he's represented the team through everything, mm-hmm. just everything. It's just he's, very unfortunate. Um, I hate to see guys, you know, uh, if, if this is any reflection, I look at these videos like if this is how any reflection of what they are behind closed doors it's it's gross and you don't want that representing your franchise uh you want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say maybe this is just a hiccup that's happened uh outside and I, unfortunately not, yeah. got caught on camera but it's just a terrible look and mm-hmm. i you know i don't know larry bear i can't judge his character uh from what i've seen up until this point seems like a very nice guy uh business savvy i you know? have a larry bear story okay go ahead so before they won the world series i was at a giants game and in between innings, I wanted to go up. I was trying to get my friend who has never been. I was like, garlic fries. We got to get garlic fries. So halfway up the ramp. Yeah, we're going up the ramp. No, I swear to God, nobody around us. Larry Bear is coming my way. Oh, this wow. Before World Series, this is before he was he was too far out there. Uh-huh. And so he I, he came. He, we were crossing paths, and I look at him. I'm all, Larry Bear. And he did, did not break stride. He did not acknowledge me at oh, all. So I've always okay. held a grudge against Larry Bear. So you're like, that guy's kind of a dick. Kind of. Uh, I, he was at another. I he was in front of me at another Giants game, and he was talking and he was chatting up. And he, yeah, he seemed decent, but 
you know, I, that's separate to what, what happened. I, yeah. I, I was really stunned, though. I mean, outside of that interaction with him, I always joke about it. I'm like, I don't know what he was really doing. But it, it was a funny little brush with him. There could have been something very important going on in that in that instance. Oh, there was no World Series don't... trophies at the time, so I know it wasn't rushing to that. <laughs> um, apologies for interrupting you with that or momentarily. What was it? Sound. <laughs> it's uh, something we're going to get to here in a second. Okay. Adam, Adam Silver sound. Oh, my Obviously. goodness. And it's triggered again. All right. <laughs> There's something I want to get to before that, though. Uh, uh, next up on the winners-losers list, Snoop Dogg has gone on the record and said he'll be selling his box seats to Laker games for as low as $5, honestly, because he is uh, so tired of the Lakers and um, the product that they're putting out there. Oh, God. I just, are you surprised, honestly, no. with everything that's happened with the Lakers thus far, that they could miss out on the playoffs? It's, it's when an unstoppable force in LeBron James making it to eight straight finals meets an immovable object in the Lakers missing the playoffs for the past five years. What's going to give here? What's going to give? And your LeBron activated whatever that is because we can get the funny clips we can get the funny clips of him throwing balls off the backboard when he goes to inbound and pass or when he just quits on defense because he picks his spots um but you know regardless if the pelicans if the pelicans leaked that deal as a way to try and rip the lakers apart at the seams they did a hell of a job because there's i mean you got guys like kuzma and ingram who are competing Mm -hmm. but they're just the whole court as a general like is Lonzo Ball really that instrumental to the Lakers team? Like, is LeVar Ball uh, really going to get proved right at the end of all this? That is kind of crazy that the drop-off happened when Lonzo, because, I mean, Lonzo, it gives them another guy that moves the ball. It's insane. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy to think that there might, maybe Lonzo is, con- is, is contributing. And all this talk about getting AD, it's like, if you've seen anything with LeBron and how successful he is when you surround him with the right pieces, it's LeBron surrounding him with shooters. You, AD, not a shooter. Mm-hmm. He's a low post presence, whether he's a back to the basket or a face to the basket kind of guy. LeBron's a driving kick. I'm either going to kick it out to a three-point shooter or I'm just going to muscle and dominate my way to a, to a dunk. Or lay in, or get the three-point play, and that's what made their the way they constructed the roster so confusing. I and mean, unfortunately, Luke Walton's going to be the one to get the mm-hmm. boot. Uh, bring him back. Yeah, to the welcome Bay Area. back. Welcome back, Luke. Come back, just in case Steve says I can't do this anymore. I want Luke Walton yeah, there. He'll be he'll be right on the staff. And that's nothing against Mike Brown, who's uh, an assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously went with the coach. I, the one thing I'll notice about LeBron, or I'll remember LeBron for, obviously, aside from all the highlights and everything, but I think one narrative that's going to get tossed, uh, cast aside that's going to be interesting to remember is Coach Killer. Mm-hmm. There's the, Everywhere he's gone, he's gotten the coach that was there, aside from Eric Spolstra, which I think elevates Eric Spolstra um, in Miami, is he's gotten the coach fired, and mm-hmm. he's brought in his own guy. Yep. And it doesn't matter at what cost or what happens – you know, um, and now there's rumors that they're going to bring Tyron Lue into L.A. Because <laughs> that'd that, be so great that worked if they out brought so up, well up in Cleveland. Fire. I mean, LeBron didn't directly get Tyron Lue fired, but it, that's where it was heading just by the way a lot of it's it was being talked. It's insane. I don't get it. Bill, uh, Bill Plasky tweeted. He said it would be the most disappointing Lakers season if they don't make the playoffs in his in the Lakers history. Do you do you? Agree that I mean, uh, most disappointing just from the sense of like there was all this hype about you get. I don't know if LeBron's the best player, active player anymore. You know, no. like I think KD's right there. I think Giannis is right there. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, he's definitely when he turns it on. There's nobody like LeBron, or not nobody. He's he's definitely right there in the running with KD and uh, Giannis. But he's no longer. It, age is just catching up with him. Is what it is. Is that body slowly starting to break down and. I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs this year, and even if they brought back the same cast of characters next year, they'd for certainly make it because he just needs rest. 
That's what LeBron needs. Is yeah, the whole load a, management. We make jokes, but he really needs to rest. Yeah, he's taken so much on, and for him to actually have like his first, I guess it isn't really his first series. He's had, he's been nicked up before, and he's mm-hmm. played through it just because he's a physically tough guy. This was the first time that we saw him sit out. He sat out close mm-hmm. to a quarter of the season. Yeah, I mean, but they played well when he was gone. I mean, the other point is, why did he play 82 games last year? I get why. He did it just because he had never right, done it before. And I, I get that, but geez, it's just, it, it came back to bite him. I take it back. All right, let me, let me run that back real quick. The Lakers did, obviously, they were in fourth place in the West when he was mm-hmm. injured. I mean, at the time he got injured, and then they dropped out of the playoff race. But for, for all things considered, this is a team I reported last episode. It's a team that only won 39 games last year. You know, like they played they played relatively well for missing the best player. Obviously, when the best player, one of the best players in the game disappears, you know, it's tough. I want to call him the best player in the game, but he's, it's just because he's been the best player in the game. I don't mm. know if currently he is anymore, and that's due to the health issues and just stuff breaking down. It's a passing of the torch. You've been dominant for this long, you know, for certainly one of the game's greats. Uh, but like a Magic Johnson type player, I'm never gonna put him up there with one of the best shooters. He's a he's a good scorer. He's a great scorer. And speaking of Magic, I mean, you wonder what the pressure is for where it's gonna, the pressure points are gonna be. Where what move are they gonna make? If, if, yeah, what if, free agents are you gonna yeah, bring? Yeah, yeah. What free agents? And if we believed half of the trade rumors that were coming out with the Pelicans, it's like God, they were. They were. It seemed like they were close to giving up more than they should have for Anthony. Davis. And I love Anthony Davis. There's a lot of. But when you're talking about how many multiple first round picks, you're yeah. like, God, how how far is he willing to gut his roster? And I mean, it's it's it might be scary for Laker fans the future of, of the way the roster could be I, and, and, and their assets. Very scary yeah. for Laker fans. Um, all right, so let me. I want to play this. This is the Adam Silver sound that I've now accidentally hinted at twice. Uh, it's a little long, but he talks about players and in the age of social media and how we look at NBA players and how they're unhappy. And I think that Adam Silver gets the W for this because he hits the nail right on the head. I think there's a few issues going on. One is a, is a larger societal issue. And I know you have a lot of young people who work for you at the yep. Ringer. Obviously, our, our players are young. We have young people in our office. I, I mean, I think we live a bit in the age of anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, 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 I've read studies on this. I think part of it is a direct product of social media. Yes. Um, I, and, and I think those players we're talking about, when I meet with them, what strikes me is that they are truly unhappy. Yeah. This is not some, like, you know, the show they're putting on for the media. When you get, you know, when you have relations with a lot of players, when I'm one-on-one with a lot of these guys, you know, I think to the outside world, they see the fame, the money, all the trappings that go with it. They're the best in the world at what they do. You know, they, they say, how is it possible? Like, they could even be complaining. And I, you, I hear this on television all the time. A lot of these young men are genuinely unhappy. I mean, some have come from very difficult circumstances. That doesn't help. Right. Some of them are amazingly isolated. And you and I have talked about this. That This goes back to Jordan in the 90s. Right. It's not even the camaraderie that they were accustomed to. I mean, you saw some of the, um, the trailer or some parts of this film that we have from Michael's last yeah. year on the Bulls. I mean, the camaraderie was incredible. I mean... Michael, like what people didn't see was, I mean, he and, and Phil Jackson, obviously, as, as the coach, deserves enormous credit, but there was like classic team building going on all the time. These guys were a band of brothers, you know, on the buses, on the planes, and, and all the attention only brought them closer. If you're around a team in this day and age, their headphones on, they're isolated, and they're head down. Like as soon as the, it used to be, I remember years ago, Isaiah Thomas said to me, championships are won on the bus. 
and he meant that. And I, and I disagree. One of the comments from the earlier panelists was, oh, forget those other five guys on the team. Those five guys on the team were critically important. Even if they hardly had any minutes, old, you know, you know, usually they were veteran players. They were leaders who were able to take players aside in a way a coach couldn't, yeah. you know, because they'd lived through it. It was just something that a, a teammate could do that a coach couldn't or certainly an owner or, or somebody or an administrator in the team. So I think what's important there, and I liked it because he brings up the age of anxiety, and it's really just people give too much of a damn as to what's said about them on social media. Um, and you, you look at those superstars and you think millions of dollars, why wouldn't you? They're 18 and 19-year-old kids. Like when you look at the average age of an NBA superstar right now, I mean NBA player right now, I believe it's somewhere around 26 to 27. Mm -hmm. I might be a little bit younger than that. Um, that, you know, I don't know about you. You're being a little older and I'm not throwing shade. Mm. I still check social media from time to time. It's not like I'm checking to see what anybody's saying about me, but I'm just checking to see what's being talked about. Mm -hmm. And if you're a player that's being talked about, I could see how that affects you. The other thing that's at which I don't think it should because you're playing, you're being paid millions of dollars to play at a level that everybody else that's talking smack about you or saying anything about you wishes they could be at. So you need to acknowledge that and just disregard it. And the great ones are able to. Um, another thing that he pointed out was camaraderie and team building. And it goes back to the social media thing. It's just people are all just stuck in their phones. And I, I do agree with that, is that if you want team building and camaraderie, you have to take away the devices. You have to get guys to communicate with each other. And you can't do that with the headphones on. So I don't know. Just your thoughts on that. There's a couple of things. I mean, it's it's so easy for the position we are this to say, hey, you know, you're elite, you're a one percenter, block it out. But we just, we all, as human beings, we want to be liked. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what your age group. I've, I, you know, we joke about comments when we see like 50 and 60 year olds and we, we peg them as ignorant or they peg them as, you know, like, you know, you can make that argument when they're angry, like, hey, you're, you're experienced. Why are you so mad? It's just a natural human thing. We want to react. We want to be liked or we want to have our opinion out there. And I think that happens with a lot of NBA players. It doesn't matter what the age is. Mm -hmm. And it's tough when you have this many people. I deal it where, where I'm dealing with only three or four people. And then sometimes me and you, we poke at each other and make oh, jokes. And for that, yeah, but that's yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it it's never like I never we're, think we're, that you're an idiot afterwards. It, ex I just think, exactly. Oh, that was a fun exchange. Yeah. And it's, it's never bad. But there's still, you know, you, you want to get your point across and you want people to to come and so I couldn't imagine having that at a at such a huge level where you can't figure out what tone is like at least I know what your tone is but then if I had a hundred other people and I have no idea where they're coming from it would drive me crazy uh, that's my perspective I do agree with a lot of the the team building it the quote kind of made me think about the way Kerr inter integrates his bench and why he makes sure that he has everybody playing because mm -hmm. he came from that era well it's funny and why it's so important what's funny about that is you look at a regular season rotation in basketball and you might have 10 to 11 guys play but then once playoff time comes around that drops to seven mm -hmm. or eight and that happens with just about every team mm -hmm. that's out there and the best example of that would have been the Raptors last year they had 12 guys play in a game last year and then playoff came around and i think they dropped it down to an eight-man rotation yeah. and you end up getting swept by the Cavs. Yeah. so yeah. it's i don't it's just uh, guys are very isolated but i think individuals are isolated in general like if we're but that's why i like that's what i like about doing this is we're able to communicate and interact and mm -hmm. we're able to clarify you know if i felt like i didn't get something across at 280 characters at a time i'm able to air it out with you mm -hmm. now i'm not telling everybody to go out and have a podcast i mean right. more than <laughs> welcome to but just have the conversation mm -hmm. is put the phone down and speak to somebody in person so that way you can gauge their facial reaction their tone of what they're saying in addition to what they're saying in general but 
No, I mean, you can't do that with the general public. No, so. and, and it's something that we're lo- – I mean, we lock with Facebook. We lock with um, Twitter. We lock with Instagram. It's hard to take context. It's hard to have these – not that you have complete limits, but we do limit ourselves the way we express, and then somebody else takes it that way. Yeah. And, and also for them, as they're isolated, maybe there's only a couple of people that they talk to, and I, I don't want to say they're, they're sheltered, but they're going to have a way that they're going to view it because they're they're dealing with so much that we're never going to experience. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that being said, why don't uh, you think we should uh, wrap this up? Yeah. We got a pop, pop culture update, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Are you are you stupid? It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I tell you, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Why? Well, because it's on the news. That's why. Um, Mateo, I don't know. Do you have HBO? Uh, my parents do, so that means I have HBO. So by extension, you have HBO. Yes. yes, it's okay. Currently airing on HBO right now is the um, Leaving Neverland, which chronicles Michael Jackson's alleged abuse of the children and everything that he was under fire for. And if backlash to R. Kelly was as bad as it was, my question is, is how bad is the backlash going to be against Michael Jackson? I thought that, or I, I, I swear I heard that they have like two million invested into a legal team just for this movie. The, the Jackson pro- family did right, not want any yeah, of this to come out. They're bracing, not, I mean, not just for the fan, but the legal. So, I mean, once I saw that number, I was like, okay, there's going to be a ton What's of backlash. What's always fun, funny about these instances, and not them making light of the child and abuse of what R. Kelly and Michael Jackson did, um, is the reaction to it, the fallout afterwards, right, is how people are able to separate art from the artist. I am able to sit back and, you know, I'll put on Ignition uh, by R. Kelly. I'll put on some Michael Jackson songs. Those songs make me feel good when I listen to them. I like singing along with them, dancing around, making a fool of myself while those songs are on. Am I able to look back and realize, okay, at the time that they were making this music, were they a shithead? Is that what prompted them to make the music? No, I think they had a troubled past, which everybody has some sort of, some level and some amount of skeletons in their closet, right? Some people might have a full carcass. Some people might just have, you know, a femur. But, um, you know, it's important to look like, yeah, Michael Jackson, very troubled, uh, what he did very wrong, psychologically speaking, I'm not bailing him out, but this was a man who was robbed of his childhood, so tried to live it vicariously through other kids, and did so in a matter that is, um, irre- ir- uh, is irrehensible, irre- uh, not even going to try and use the word that I can't pronounce right now, is just very wrong, very mm-hmm. wrong, should not have been done whatsoever. Uh, your thoughts? Oh, God, it's so layered. God, it really, it really, it really is. is. It's okay. it, there's so many different things. You want to pull the stew gots? It's an important conversation. I'm glad we're having it. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I just trying to figure out where you, where where I would. I mean, it's just it, and it was what was coming out, and and a lot of the people that were still pushing them, and they knew what was going on. I mean, they should be held accountable too. What Michael, what Michael did was horrible. It was wrong. Everybody also, that was an accomplice. Yeah, and then, yeah. but I mean, that's the way these things go, and it, and then it finally takes a voice. I mean, we go. Bill Cosby is a guy. I took Hannibal Burris for. For it to finally come to head, it took yeah. him coming out. I mean, yeah. it just takes a voice. It's unfortunate. And I agree. I, I mean, it's you're able if you're able to separate art and what is going on. I mean, it, then you there, should. But yeah, but there's people that aren't, and I mean, then you have that that issue. Yeah. Um, I always think about. I remember 
taking English classes and you, you think about all the classical writers and every one of them had some issue and you're like, God, it's amazing. How so troubled yet such a genius. Yes. And, and then you look back and I mean, what part of it is, you, you know, the, the whole, that was the times excuse is one that baffles me because you look back at civil rights and people are like, well, that's just how it was right. before up until then. But then you go way, way back into the time machine and you go the Greek Empire and how pedophilia was something that was so rampant because old men were, were willing to give the younger men their wisdom, but at a cost. And it's just like, that's so gross to think about, but at also some level, it was like, that's how it was. Now, obviously, what Michael Jackson was doing, again, very wrong. I do not um, support or condone yeah, his actions. Yeah, no condoning. But uh, the music he made, I will say as an artist, he made very good music. He was mm-hmm. just a very troubled individual. And it's crazy how there seems to be a correlation in almost every circumstance. There's a correlation between even the most successful athletes. Like, look at Tom Brady. There's something about the way he's wired from when he was younger that still feeds into the weight. Now, granted, he's not touching kids. He's kissing his own, but uh, sucking their soul for youth, allegedly. Um, But, yeah, it's just it's amazing how there's just something there's that correlation there between talent and and just troublesome past and demons. And and then we see what happens when people enable and people don't don't stop. Yeah. Shame on all the people who were in Michael Jackson's camp who are just like, that's just Michael being Michael. Like, no. No, yeah, and, wrong. and not reporting, Michael. You are just as bad as he, you might have not been the one fondling the child, but you enabled it to happen. Which is like, if you can sleep with that at night, I mean, there's, <laughs> you, you're probably not doing something. You're probably not able to without the assistance of some sort of prescription. So, and that speaks for itself, you monster. All right, next up on the pop culture update: twenty-five years ago, John Candy passed away, and. uh there's there's a little there's you know he's he's trending on Twitter right now. What is your favorite John Candy movie? Oh God. I'll say for me right now, just because I have a list of them up up in front of me. My all time favorite John Candy movie is Cool Runnings. Oh yeah, Cool Run. I even think of Cool Runnings. Uh, now I gotta pull up the John Candy list to see which one that we I. We got uh, Uncle Buck, Home Alone, Cool Runnings, Plane Trains and Automobiles, The Great Outdoors, trains. Spaceballs. Oh God, maybe it is gonna be because uh, leaping from Star Wars. It's yeah, probably Spaceballs and then the Great Outdoors. Stripes, the Blues Brothers, Canadian Bacon. Blues Brothers is yeah. great. Oh, God, I love the Great Outdoors. He's he's hysterical in that. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. I mean, you know, it's unfortunate that he him and Chris Farley are the ones that I look back on. I'm mm-hmm, like, damn, Farley. did you guys die just because you were fat? That's unfortunate. Like, oh uh, God, I mean, Far- Farley was he had his own demons. God. That was those SNL skits. You'll be down like a van down by the river. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. I mean, he had a he was a tortured where for him it was he needed to entertain. He needed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Candy Candy passed away peacefully. Yeah. Oh God, I loved Farley too. Uh, next up on the pop culture list, Lady Gaga has cleared the air on whether she and Bradley Cooper are quote unquote in love by discussing uh at, on an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, she says that their performance of Shallow had viewers talking since then, to which Lady Gaga replied, I'm an artist, and I guess we did a good job. Fooled ya. I'm not 100% buying it. Um, I feel like there's some, there's there's got to be something there. But at the end of the day, these are two sociopathic performers, right? Like they, and sociopathic, I use it in like the lightest, lightest mm-hmm. uh, terms. But it's just, you know, they, they go out there and they, they seek validation from others by utilizing a talent, whether it's acting or singing, by putting on a performance. And some level of that was just like, if that, if that, if they really aren't sleeping together, they deserved an Oscar just for that performance right there. 
And they could just be really good method actors. That's true, but but there's some level of that. You take it into it, and Mm -hmm. you're just like, man, they got to be doing something together. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out years later. Like, yeah, actually, yeah, maybe they did have a one or two rendezvous, you know? Do you have anything to contribute to the pop culture segment? Again, I've kind of hogged it. I'm sorry. I spent, like, most of the UFC time. Now now I'm looking at the my favorite John Candy movies. <laughs> uh, I was trying to get pop culture stuff with no flan here. Um, I did find the Spielberg uh, proposing changes for the Oscar, Oscar qualification interesting. Did you see that one? No, what's that about? Uh, so he wanted the revise it where basically he keeps streaming movies out of being nominated for Academy Awards. Really? Yeah, since he, I mean, somebody was since saying... Since Steven Spielberg hasn't figured out a way to capitalize on Netflix, he wants to ban Netflix from being able to win awards, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah, I saw somebody's argument that I thought was really good is that the Academy Awards, their whole thing is it's a PR event to promote going to the movies and supporting that industry. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that, that's a fascinating way to look at it. But, but also, you don't indus- get what the times, too. I was going to say, if that industry also makes money off mm-hmm. of off of these streaming services, then you have to yeah. kind of— and it's and it's not fair. I mean, now that you have these outlets, it, it wasn't fair to the movies that you know didn't have that opportunity with you know in other countries— in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Now now it seems fair that everybody's included in this. Yeah. So um, I know. I, I, I like the idea of having the streaming services in there. It it, it beefens up the pool. Or, you know, it, 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 yeah. There's a lot of times, like I was looking at the Oscar nominations, a lot of them, you know, and like I said on, on previous episodes, the Oscars will help me uh, help raise awareness to films that I may have not seen before so I or, or heard of so I can draw some interest there but at the same time you do need to recognize certain films that like if they get released on Netflix and that's all the internet's talking about mm-hmm. for a solid month you got to show some love to that movie because obviously there was something there you know I'm not saying Bird Box is the one that we have to nominate that's the one that comes in most recent memory mm-hmm. but you know if they're going to give Emmys to Netflix shows which I don't know if they do but if they do they should. Uh, then they gotta they gotta throw Oscars in there too as well. And I hope that this th- leads to more pushing in the industry of thinking outside the box instead of remaking everything and leaning heavily on nostalgia. Even though yes, I'm excited yes. about the next Star Wars, I it, it it's getting old. We, we need, need more to, original. We content. need more original content. And it's getting tougher. I'm not gonna lie. It's tougher to come up with original mm-hmm. content. But when you do, it gets recognized and appreciated. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Okay. Contribute. Oh, what was the other thing? Oh, Mass Singer. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, go ahead. I'm sure, I'm sure you got from Levitar. It was, yeah, so T-Pain won, and I thought it was T-Pain. And then what bothered me was T-Pain that day, after he, or the day he won, he released an album and he auto-tuned. Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> why? Wasn't there a th- weren't all three finalist singers? Yeah, Donny Osmond and uh, Gladys, Knight. Gladys Knight. Yeah, all so three. Yeah, real so. weird. They had a singing competition that <laughs> ended up singers. with three professional singers. Yeah, and I was kind of hoping there was there was more A-listers, and they kept... I well, thought they, with they Fox, kept it strong with B and Cs, right? Yeah. And nothing. I mean, I, I'm stoked for T Pain. I really appreciated what he did when he was on NPR's uh, Teeny Desk or Tiny Desk. I mean, yeah. and he's you know I, you get to see him sing there. Like he's genuinely a really good singer. But yeah, what the hell, dude? What <laughs> the hell? That's my, you my question. My, what the hell? Yeah, you were my biggest. I was your biggest fan, <laughs> and then you release an auto tune. Use your voice. All right. Uh, so yeah, that'll do it for us. Um, I mean, I don't have anything left to contribute. We got it all out. We we addressed yeah. the we addressed the drafts or the combine stuff. I keep on saying draft stuff, but yeah. Are we gonna we should we're, all run forties? We're inching inching closer to there. We have a burrito eating contest that we still need to get to. Oh my god! I'm down to do forties too as well. <laughs> get everybody to run their forties. What if we did a burrito eating contest followed by a forty? Oh, that would be interesting. That we did the ultimate ultimate podcasting combine. <laughs> all right. Uh, so for Mateo and myself, for the haters and losers of which there are many, go.
Flank yourself. Okay, I was gonna say without Flan here. I, I know how to do a censored version. Flan, Flan gets the vulgar. <laughs> Until next time. Peace. Waiting for it, I do to laugh and sing, I do to laugh.